I'm going to go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and just point this uh, one verse out to you again. We know, of course, that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, Hebrews 11, 1. But going down to verse 6, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without what? Without faith. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's not out to put you down or punish you or throw you under the bus. He's there to reward you if you're a seeker. I want to make sure you understand today at the outset the difference between a believer and a believing believer. Let's take the word believer first of all. That word simply means to someone who has recognized and accepted that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who died and was raised from the dead so they would be forgiven and they would enjoy His grace and in eternity with Him. Everybody say, thank God. For the new birth. So everyone who has believed in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that confession was made into salvation, they're a believer. Say it, thank God, I'm a believer. But then there's a class within that group that I would call believing believers. And it's not as large as you would think it is. A believing believer is one who believes the promises of God no matter how great they are. No matter how seemingly impossible they are, no matter how fantastic they may seem, and that word fantastic means so extreme as to challenge belief. A believing believer understands the new birth, but they don't stop there. All over the world today, there are millions of Christians who have prayed the prayer. They have repented. They have asked the Lord to be in their lives, but they have not moved on to believe God for the totality of what the Word says they can have, do, and be. It's not just a confession we make at the beginning of a service. It should be something that renews your mind that as a believing believer, you can have everything he said you can have. You can do everything he said you could do. You can be everything he said you could be. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't have to be a believing believer and press into everything God has said to go to heaven. That's not even the point today. If you've experienced a new birth, you're on your way to heaven, lock, stock, and barrel, and that is a settled issue between you and the Lord. But you don't have to live in His best for His fullness on this earth. That's up to you. Say it with me. I want to be a believing believer. A believing believer will refuse to compromise on the promises to alleviate pressure in their life or to be liked or accepted by others or to justify where they are currently in life. To them, that all doesn't matter. Believers have a clear choke point when it comes to the promises of God. They'll believe God up to a point. For some people, that's not even, you know, the new birth. They, they, get, they get done with their, their faith in terms of, I believe, the religion. I believe the sacraments. I believe I was, you know, catechized or confirmed, whatever. But that's the end of it. Then there are other people that get born again, and they know there is more. How I many you know there's a relationship with the Holy Spirit that we can have through the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How many know there's this understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? How many understand there are gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit? There's a teaching we understand about the glorification of the believer. We understand all these wonderful things, the priesthood of the believer, that we're all actually ministers if we're born again. And it's the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists that prepare us to do the work of the ministry. You can look at the promises of God and say, well, that's just too far out there for me to believe. The believing believer just doesn't think that way. Because with God, what? All things are possible. 
I wanted to point out to you today that God would have you stretch your faith and in, in your dimension of your believing today. That you celebrate the new birth and never stop celebrating the new birth because it's marvelous what he has done. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? Aren't you glad you can put your head down on a pillow tonight without condemnation, guilt, or shame? Because you're right with God. But he didn't put all this in the Word of God so that we would just live our lives as born-again people and ignore everything else he has done for us. I want to encourage you today. Ephesians 1.7 says this, so make it your prayer. I pray that the glorious Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know Christ better. The further you, you know, bury in and bore into the things of God, the more you're going to understand what he has for you. Amen. I don't want to choke on anything the Bible promises. But you can find yourself choking if you're not careful at the marvelous promises of God. Believing believers are always hungry for more revelation. They still want more. No matter how much they've grown, they still thirst and hunger for more. And how many know the Bible says if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's going to fill you till the full, till it overflows. So say it right now. I refuse just to be a believer. I want to be a believing believer. Whatever he has for me, I want to tap into that. I want to be, do, and have whatever he says I can be, do, and have. Now that requires a decision on your part. A decision to grow, a decision to listen, a decision to receive from God. But that's the nature of this. And so it shouldn't take you long to figure out that people that are believing believers are actually receiving more in this life than those that are just believers. Well, I'm going to heaven. That's great. How many know there's more to church life and more to growth than just potluck dinners and dining going to heaven one day? Amen. Amen. If your idea of exciting is a potluck, you need to raise your sights just a little bit <laughs> and realize there's a table that the Lord has spread for you and for me in the presence of our enemies, according to Psalm 23. And you and I have been given this wonderful spread, and we should not turn up our nose to anything. I don't know what you turned your nose up to when you were growing up as a kid. Maybe like me, it was asparagus. <laughs> I can still remember the horrified look on my face and the way I felt when my mom served asparagus with cream sauce over a piece of toast. I'm like, what in the world is that? <laughs> and to this day, you won't find me eating asparagus. You won't feed me, feed, you see me sampling a rhubarb pie. You can forget that. Yes, amen. There's some things that I just don't want on my table. And now that I'm a grown-up, I can put whatever I want on that table. And she has no say anymore. Amen. <laughs> she did her best. But you know what? It's the same way with the table of the Lord. Amen. Healing, deliverance, victory, prosperity. Amen. The authority of the believer, righteousness. If you want to turn your nose up at anything, you have that right. Or you can say, whatever he's put on that table, I want to enjoy. I know I've got a super table in the future. We all have a wonderful table that's being spread for us in heaven. That's not even debatable. But what about the table he spread here on earth? That scripture says he's prepared a table in the presence of what? Thine enemies. Can I give you a tip here? Your enemies will not be in heaven. So that table does not refer to the afterlife. It doesn't refer to what you do in heaven. It refers to what you do right here. And I encourage you. Yes, you have a right not to have something on that table. That's your choice. But first of all, don't knock everybody that is wanting everything on that table. 
And second of all, realize that you're, you're, you're letting go of some things that God would love to do in your life. That's his plan. That's his purpose. But you're going to have to move on from the new birth to believe the rest of what the Word of God actually says. Say it one more time. I'm a believing believer. Say it again. A believing believer. Just a few scriptures about the power of believing. just want you to soak these in. You can write the, the, the notation down, but just listen as I read these. Matthew 21, 22. In all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will what? Receive. Glory to God. Mark 9, 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Acts 16, 31. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Romans 10, 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Wow. Let me say that again. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. I know the devil will try to tell you it's never going to work out for you. This will never happen. This breakthrough will not happen. This healing won't happen. This financial you know, turnaround won't happen. You believe in him, you're not going to be disappointed. Push the devil out of your thought life. Say, Pastor, how do I know if when the scripture says take no thought for tomorrow, how, do you, how can I tell if I've taken a thought? You take the thought when you say it. So as long as you're not saying that thing that lines up with what the devil thinks, you're going to be okay. Amen? Instead, take the thought that says he's your God and he loves you. Yes. Amen? He's your God and he provides for you. He's your God and he's your healer. He's your restorer. Glory to God. John eleven forty. 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Hallelujah. Romans 10, 9, for with the heart of man, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Luke 1, 45, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed is she who believed what was said of her. You know, that same verse applies to us today. You'll be blessed if you believe what's said about you as a child of God. Mary was remarkable in that she didn't doubt, she believed. Zacharias, not the same way. When he heard about John the Baptist, there was doubt in his heart, and he remained silent until the birth of that child, where he blurted out, finally, this is what the, the name of the child is. There's a believer versus a believing believer. Say, I'm a believing believer. You want to take everything he says about you and apply it to your life. Amen. Everything is yours. Take it all from that table. Believing believers have certain things in common. I just want to point this out to you. Lay a foundation here for where the Lord has us going. First of all, they believe the Bible is the Word of God. Period. Amen. You don't have to necessarily be that way to be born again, but I mean, it sure helps to have confidence and trust in the God that actually wrote the thing. But believing believers from cover to cover believes the Bible is the Word of God, inerrant and infallible. Is that a big deal? Yes, because if you don't believe the Word of God, you have nothing to stand on when you're believing for the rest of the things. If you cut this out and you cut this out, how can you have confidence in what God has said? Number two, they believe faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. That's why you want to sit under anointed preaching and teaching. That's why it matters where you go to church and have an amen. If you want to be a believing believer, you have to be under the ministry that teaches you more than the new birth. You cannot hear salvation every week and be a believing believer. 
you are going to be a thoroughly grounded believer. The devil, when the devil comes to you and tells you you're not going to heaven, you'll be able to beat him with a stick. You'll have great confidence for your salvation. I mean, you have great confidence that when you die, you're going to be with him. If he raptures you, you're up with him. Yes, there's a reason for that because you've had much preaching and teaching collectively, no matter where we've come from, we've come to that strong sense and the devil couldn't beat it out of you until you were a little greasy spot and the greasy spot left will be saying, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> but you cannot you cannot sit there week after week and hear the same message and the same emphasis and actually become a believing believer. These things have to be taught. They have to be received. So it matters. And it matters that if you're under anointed preaching and teaching, that you're diligent, that you're faithful, but most of all, that your heart is engaged at that moment. You never know when that one word from God is going to come that will change your entire life. In this bay, it may be one thing. In this bay, it may be something else. Somebody sitting upstairs, to you, it's something altogether. But the Holy Ghost met you at that moment, and your whole life changed. That's the power of the Word of God. So believing believers believe that faith comes by hearing. And they believe that so much that they're, they're, they adjust their life and their priorities in that direction. Number three, they believe the promises are for today and available to all. Amen. Every one of them. No matter how outlandish or it seems to people in the natural and the carnal minds, they believe they're all for them. Number four, they believe they're supposed to increase. Psalm 115 tells us that those that fear the Lord, uh, he'll make them increase. Them and their children and their children's children, you don't understand the blessing is perpetual. They also believe that seed time and harvest is the pathway to that increase. Genesis 8, 22. As long as the earth endures, Cold, winter, amen, summer, amen. <laughs> we don't know what temperature it is right now in this part of the country. It changes every five days. Snow in April and 30 degrees and 75 degrees. We pretty much got all the seasons covered here, don't we, amen? <laughs> we understand that from a weather perspective. Well, it's the same thing with seed time and harvest. It's not going away. And when people that are believing believers understand that. Number five, they believe in the blessing. And the empowerment to succeed. Galatians 3.14, Jesus redeemed us from the curse. Blessed is, you know, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us, the scripture says in Galatians 3.14, in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. By what? By faith, by believing God. We believe in that empowerment on your life. Look at somebody and tell them, there's something on you today. Tell somebody else, there's something on you. And it is the blessing of God. The entirety of the Word of God is very simply this. I'll sum it up for you. In Genesis 1, God blessed the people that he made. In Genesis 3, they sinned and the blessing was compromised and the curse was introduced. The, Jesus came to redeem us from the curse and restore the blessing. We're supposed to live from this day through eternity under the blessing. Every single Christian. They believe they're redeemed from the curse. They believe the blessing has been restored. They believe the blessing is real and multidimensional. It means the blessing has everything to do with everything in your life. I heard somebody, I saw somebody post this, you know, just a few days ago. Well, money has nothing to do with the blessing. Can I help you out here? That's like saying apples have nothing to do with the apple tree. My advice for some people, just stay off of Facebook until you get your mind renewed. Amen? Renew thy mind and shut thy mouth. 
Because your ignorance is showing. When we were kids and the kid on the playground, his pants began to droop and you'd see his underwear. Ha, 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 we can see your drawers. When some of y'all get on Facebook, we see your drawers. <laughs> amen. Renew your mind and shut thy mouth. Can I have an amen today? Amen. That's like saying there's nothing in common between the apples and the apple tree. That just shows a lack of revelation. When God calls you to be blessed, it was every part of your life. That's the way it was in Genesis where they lacked nothing. That's the way it was in the wilderness. Even when they had gotten there because of their rebellion, God still took care of them. How much more is your God going to take care of you being a blood-bought New Testament believer today? You see, it's not what God will or won't do. It's what you will believe him for. Amen. Say it, I'm blessed. I'm supposed to be blessed. One more time. Say it, I am blessed. I'm supposed to be blessed. That's how this works. They believe and accept the responsibility of the blessing. To do what? To be a blessing. Believing believers know I'm not just blessed for me. I am blessed to do what? To be a blessing. As Todd said, live life with an open hand, taking care of people, reaching out to people, loving on people, and using the resources God has put in your life to be a conduit rather than just some storage place for all eternity. They also believe that the blessing is a choice. Deuteronomy 30. I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. What does God say? I love that scripture because God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life. And after, after making it that clear, some people still choose wrongly. I think about that famous scene in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. And the Donovan character walks in and he defers to his assistant to give him counsel on what the chalice of Christ would look like. And of course, she gives him the one because she wants him dead. <laughs> she gives him something that's not the cup of Christ. And he drinks death to himself. And you know all the effects of a Steven Spielberg movie, the rest of his history. And the old saint who was there guarding, you know, the, you know, the cup of Christ said he chose poorly. Then Indiana Jones comes in and drinks from the right cup. You have chosen wisely. It's as if God is saying, choose life and death, bless and chaos. And here's a, here's a tip for you. Choose life. And you'll still have people who will do just the opposite. Listen, if we're living below God's privileges, it's not because of him. Say, so I'm a believing believer. There's no room for doubt in my life. If God said it, I believe it. Can you be that simplistic? Yes, you can. Amen. Those people who think they can sit in judgment over the Word of God, and I'll choose and pick what I decide to believe from the Word of God, and the rest is nonsense. Those people are educated beyond their intelligence. The smart person just submits to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Number six, they believe in the favor of God opportunities and open doors from our God. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Psalm 5.2. They believe God is good. Scripture says he has goodness sorted for those that love him. That means he, all the good he's already done, we should recognize and thank him for and realize he's not done yet. Nowhere in Scripture does it say God has evil or bad things stored up for you. Nowhere. Jerry, Jerry Savelle says it like this, if it ain't good, it ain't God. Amen. 
Psalm 119.68 calls God the source of all good in your life. Come on, say, he's a good God. Number eight, they believe the Bible must be applied to release its power. Which means you have to believe the promise, but you also have to accept the requirement, the command, and the mandate. A believing believer doesn't say, I just want the promise. They say, I'll do whatever I have to do to activate that promise. It's not that complicated. How do you understand that you can technically mentally assent that, yes, God has a son, his name is Jesus. But if you don't do what the scripture says, you can't be saved. Amen. Number nine, they believe in the prosperous life, spirit, soul, and body, and that it's tied to the spiritual health of the believer. Beloved, I, be, I, believe, I pray all things. <laughs> Let me say this again. <laughs> Get ahead of myself here. My mind's out here. My tongue is lagging behind today. Yes, amen. Beloved, I what? I wish or pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as what? Even as your soul prospers. So if your soul is prospering, you're doing well in your mind, your emotions, and your will in relation to the word of God, there's no reason for you not to have things go well in your life. That's not wrong for you to have an expectation. When I believe this apostle knew the heart of God, was the last one on the earth still ministering, still receiving from God. He knows what he's talking about. God wants you to be blessed. The scripture tells us that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Do you realize that? It's not the, the devil, of course, does not. Religious people do not. Some church folk don't care. They don't like that kind of talk. Can I help you out here? Lots of people want to be prosper. They just don't like the attachment of the responsibility of being a, a tither and a sower. Thank you for your enthusiasm with that revelation. But that's not y'all. Come on, say, I love to tithe. I love to give. I want some more seed. Amen. But they believe in the prosperous life because the Word of God teaches that. Now, that's not the only thing the Bible teaches, but the Bible teaches the prosperous life for the believer. And the religious person has a little knee-jerk reaction because all their life they've been taught about salvation and that God didn't care about anything else in life. People mar you know, are a marvel to me. They'll work 80, 90 hours because they don't believe in prosperity. Families destroyed. All other you know, you know, hobbies and interests are set aside, no advancement of personal growth because they don't believe in prosperity. Sacrifice their family and their health, die young because they don't believe in it. You know, the Bible believing, believing, believer decision, you know what? It is promised in the Word of God. And I'm not to put that stuff first. I'm going to put God first. But he said, if I'll put him first, all these other things will be what? Added to me as well. It's in there. Believing believers believe it. And number 10, the, believe, the believer believes in the glorification of the believer. The restoration of God's glory is manifest presence and power and goodness. Look at somebody and tell them you're looking awful shiny today. Come on, say you're looking really shiny today. The glory is being restored. God's presence and power and goodness all over our lives. Do you know that we're, gonna, we're supposed to continue in glorification all the way up until the point where he raptures us or we leave this life? Do you realize that today? And one day you'll have a glorified body. Say amen. amen. Look at somebody say some of us in here need a glorified body. Yes, we do. How does glorification affect me until that time? Glorification affects your body by keeping you and sustaining you so you can fulfill God's will on this earth. But one day it's going to be completely transformed. Amen. 
Hallelujah. I probably shouldn't say this, I'll get in trouble, but in heaven you only get one hair color. It's mostly directed at Don and Kelly, but moving right along today, I don't think he really cares, to be honest with you, but I can tell you this, that everything's going to work. The things are not going to snap, crackle, and pop when you get up in the morning. Nothing that, that is here that doesn't belong there that God didn't design will be there. Wholeness and soundness in your mind and your glorified body. We got nothing but good things to look forward to. We have victory on this planet and we have glorification on that side. Amen. Completed. You and I should be excited about this. But I don't mind telling you this, that glorification, just as an example of this principle, why it's so important to be under the word where the word is preached and taught without compromise. Glorification has been taught simply as one day we're going to die and he's going to raise us from the dead and get a new body. And that's the extent of the teaching. Believing believers want to know how that glorification affects every part of them. Their mind, their body, their will, their emotions, their entire life. And that means you have to be under that anointing. You have to be opening your heart to receive that from God. Another way to say this is you can't believe what you're not taught. So there's a responsibility for you to hear. There's a responsibility for the men and women of God who preach and teach the word of God to do so without compromise. Because the people can't believe for everything that a believing believer would believe for. Try to say that 15 times in a row. <laughs> they can't do it unless we're faithful to teach the counsel of God to the people. Amen. Come on, shout out loud. I'm a believing believer. I believe all these things. They're for me. Not just in heaven, but here on earth. The Bible is filled with stories of believing believers. You know what believing believers do? They have all the fun, the favor, and the freedom. Believers are forgiven on their way to heaven, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're having fun, favor, or freedom. But in the Bible, you run across a story where they obeyed the orders and marched around Jericho and the walls fell down. They believed and the walls came down. I don't know what wall is in your way, but if you'll believe it, too, will get knocked down. We read stories about someone wanted Jesus to come to a wedding. He came to the wedding. They ran out of wine. He said, bring me the water pots. Well, they brought the water pots and the water was what? They believed enough to go get them and bring them, and it was turned into wine. Your God is amazing. Watch this. This uh, Syrian general who was an arch nemesis of Israel was told he had leprosy and go see the prophet of God. And the prophet's order was to dip in the Jordan sometimes, need to be restored. Well, he, he bucked initially, but then he obeyed and he yielded and he believed and his flesh became like that of a baby. Believing. Jesus told the man with a withered hand, stretch out your hand. He believed, stretched it out, and he was restored. Say it, believing believers. He said to the lepers, go show yourself to the priests. And as they did, what happened? They believed him. They went and walked and began to show. They, not they changed, but they went and they believed. And as they went, they were healed. Nathaniel, Jesus said, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. The Bible says that Nathaniel believed 
and confess that Jesus was the Son of God and the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I said, I saw you? Jesus must have marveled that day. You mean that's all it takes for you to believe? I saw you under the tree? I saw you in the hammock? I saw you cutting the grass and singing praise songs? He said, you're going to see greater than these things. You're going to see what? The Son of God literally in his supernatural divine state, ascending, descending. You know, uh, there's something to be said for just believing God. Say it with me. All the fun, all the favor, all the freedom comes to believing believers. Or you can get born again and you can spend your entire life eating potlucks and singing just a few more weary days and then. I'll fly away. You want to know why it's a few more weary days? Because that's what they were taught. They didn't tell them life's supposed to be abundant as Jesus said it was. You know, that's grin and bear it until you die or the rapture happens. Instead of living your life in victory and peace and eating from that table and being a believing believer, that's their mindset. They grew up singing songs like, I came up the rough side of the mountain. Well, why don't you try the other side? Can you see how believing is attached to exposure? But at the end of the day, you know, we should just say, you know, I know, I know. Say it with me. I know there's more. Come on, shout it. I know there's more. And when you get to more, guess what? There's more. More of his goodness. More of his power. More of his favor in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to have fun, favor, and freedom on this planet. As Tracy is liberty and freedom more fun than bondage. Yes. Glory to God. But I don't, you know, mind telling you that there are thousands of believers truly have accepted the Lord that are in bondage to some hang-up, some habit, or some addiction. They're not free. They need to be taught the things of God so they can be believing believers and be free in every area. It's a great paradox for a born-again believer to struggle, but it's real. You may have been taught through religion that every addict who says they're a Christian is not really a Christian. Well, that must mean that you're not really a Christian because of your sin. This PSA has been brought to you by Celebrate Recovery, Hope Harbor Church, Tuesday nights. <laughs> Can you see this? Say it with me, believing believers. Have all the fun. Have all the favor. And have all the freedom. What a great way to live. Amen. What I want to do is, is sow this simple truth into you today. Is that there's a lifestyle of the believing believer. These people just live a certain way. And all you have to do is if you've kind of been stuck in, in the new birth thing and that's all you've been believing year after year, decade after decade of going to church and being a Christian, all you have to do is make the switch today and say, you know what, I'm going to move forward now. Look at somebody and say, you have permission to move forward, to advance, to develop, to grow. God wants you to. Lifestyle means a typical and habitual way of life. The believing believer. 
write this down. I want you to write them all in, in caps. When my mom is on Facebook or sends an email or a text, it's all caps. <laughs> you see why? She's saying, you better be paying attention to this. <laughs> Amen. Somebody said something ugly to her. She replied to her on a Facebook post one time and said, why do you always use all caps? You know what she said? I'll use all caps if I want to. <laughs> See, to you, it's just all caps. I know the thought behind all the caps. <laughs> this is critical you get this. Say it with me. I want to be a believing believer. First of all, believers hear. They're always active in their hearing to hear that one word from God. They're always on revelation, you know, mindset. What is God going to say today? What is God going to do in the service today? What's God going to do in the watches of the night? They're always in a place of hearing. In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen began to preach to the Pharisees about what they had done with Jesus and the salvation that he is bringing, they closed their ears and they rushed at him to kill him. This is what a lot of people do. New birth, new birth, new birth, new birth, new birth. That's all I want to hear is new birth, new birth, new birth. Grandpa wouldn't be happy with me. I was raised in that denomination. They want me, they want me believing this stuff. New birth, new birth. You cannot close your ears and expect to advance as a believing believer. You open them up wide. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus told a rich young ruler, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Say that with me. Sell all you have, give to the poor, come follow me. He got what? Not glad, not thrilled, sad. And the scripture says he went away. You know the problem with that is? Jesus was in the middle of his teaching when he went away. If he had stayed, he'd have found out Jesus promised to those that left these things, what? A hundredfold in this life. Look at somebody and say, it pays to stay through the whole sermon. All 48 parts. And I mean that tongue-in-cheek, but also very seriously, because you never know what God's going to do in wrapping up a series in part 48. And you made up your mind, part two, you heard it all. None of us have arrived. None of us have heard it all. We're growing. We're works in progress. Amen. But we are progressing. So your ears have to be wide. We don't cover our ears and walk away. We don't make excuses not to be under the word. My flesh, my emotions, blah, blah, blah. No, you put your, your, your spirit man in control and say, you know what you're going to do? Body, you're going you're gonna to shut up. Mind, you're going to shut up. Emotions, you're going to shut up because what I really need is revelation from the word of God. I need to hear that. Listen, part of being a carnal creature and having a body, especially you know, because of the fall, is that we have tuned ourselves to listen to the body. Listen to the emotions. Listen to the mind that's going a thousand miles an hour, usually not on the things of God. And the one thing we need to be listening to is what? The Spirit of God, the Word of God. But nobody's going to, you know, tell your body to shut up but you. Nobody's going to tell your mind to be still but you. Nobody's going to tell your emotions you will not ruin another service for me. I'm speaking to some people prophetically today because time after time you get here, you're excited, you're thrilled, and the devil begins to work on your mind and you can't receive a thing. 
that would advance you into being a believing believer. I'm the same way today. I try every single day to listen, to get my ears open to what men and women of God who preach the uncompromised word have to say because we haven't arrived yet, have we, church? Say it with me. I have ears to hear. How many times did Jesus say that? He who has what? Ears to hear. Let him hear. Number two, believers believe. That is mind-blowing, isn't it? Believers do what? All in Doris Hines caps, believe. John 6, 29, the word tells us the sole duty of, of, the, of the child of God is to believe. Mark 5, 36, Jesus looked straight at Jerry and said, give me your attention. He said, don't fear, only what? Believe. Those are powerful, powerful words. Believers refuse to back down from this. There's no doubt, questioning, analyzing, or compromising in their mind. Let somebody else do that. If they hear what God said, they believe it. If the Bible says they can have long life, they believe it. If they, it says God is a healer, they believe it. If it says that God will meet all their needs, they believe it. If the Bible says they're anointed, they believe it. If the Bible says they're righteous, they believe it. If the Bible says they have authority over the evil one, they what? They believe it. Why? Because they're believers. Believing believers. Look at somebody saying, no doubt here. Come on, say, I have to hear. I have to believe. Your confidence in God and his word is so strong that when that word goes forth, you don't spend six months, two years, five years. You know, there's some of us that, that took the long way home into these things because we took a hiatus from listening and believing. And then one day when we come back around to listening and believing, we say to ourselves, you know, where could I be if I hadn't disengaged my hearing and my believer? Took a little religious jog over here or a little traditional jog over here where the word of God was made none effect by somebody's traditions. So I would say to you, thank God you got back into the hear and believe mode and redeem the time. Amen. Can I tell you something? God is able to cover more ground with the time you have left than anything you wasted. If you'll just hear and believe. Say it with me. I hear. I believe. I'm a believing believer. Thank God for the new birth. Amen. I'm so glad that, that Tracy gave his life to the Lord. But you know what? I like Tracy also helping other people get free. That's what I like. How does that happen? That happens as we move on the foundation of the new birth beyond that, where we have nothing to help somebody out in the physical or in the soulish realm in terms of their life. Glory to God. Number three, believers do. Capital D-O. I call this the HBD lifestyle. Hear, believe, and do. James 1.22 tells us to be doers and not hearers only. Let me just read this scripture to you from my, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Coming right on the heels of the revelation of the Ten Commandments. This is what God gave to Moses. 
chapter 5, verse 32. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in all the way that your Lord, the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in a land that you will possess. Now, how many you know that some people in the camp of Israel died young? Some of them were judged. Some of them were wiped out. But he's telling them, you can live and prosper in the land that I've given you. You can absolutely excel in these things. Yes, you're a believer, but be a believing believer. Actually do the things I told you to do. Listen, we don't really believe something if we don't do it. If I say I believe in prayer and don't do it, I don't believe it. If I say I believe this is the word of God and the key to my victory, but I don't actually read it, I don't believe that. If I believe that we should be loving people and having mercy on people, but I don't practice that with people. I mean, come on, some Christians lose their love victory going through a drive-thru. Really, you're going to lose your victory and you're going to spoil your table and your ability to believe God and be a believing believer over how fast they got that hamburger out to you? Maybe it's the Holy Ghost telling you you don't need that hamburger anyway. Move him right along. That's another sermon. <coughs> Walk in his ways so you'll live and prosper and prolong your days in a land you will possess. If you miss any of these three simple principles, you can't be a believing believer. And that means you can't receive like a believing believer. There's no substitute for hearing. There's no substitute for believing. And there's no substitute for doing because believers believe the power is released when you do what the word actually says. You can hear it and believe it, but when you do it, that's when the power, the anointing is released to bring those things to pass. The connection between hearing and doing is very, very clear in Scripture. I want you to turn this uh, Scripture with me in Deuteronomy 28. How many thank God for the Word? And Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. What's the, what's the message here? King James says, Hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God, and all these blessings that come up on you, and what? Overtake you. But he said this, if you hearken diligently. That means to hear with an attitude to do, a demonstration of actually doing what the word says. The connection between hearing and doing is phenomenal. Why? Faith comes by hearing, so faith is the capacity, the potential to believe. And we only do what we believe. The only way to actually take a scripture like this is to hear what it says in that 28th chapter, believe what it says, and then what? Do what's prescribed for you and me. You probably figured out that spiritually lazy Christians can never be believing believers. 
I prayed a prayer, walked the altar, had my name written down in the register of the church, filled out a card, hallelujah, got baptized, now I'm waiting for Jesus. But I'm too lazy to actually become a believing believer. I'm not motivated enough. You know, the greatest uh, de definition of a, of a disciple is a self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or a pastor don't have to send you a postcard every week or an email to come to church. We don't have to have a prayer counselor call you in the middle of the month. Are you reading your Bible? Are you? Are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? A disciple is what? A self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. For, for your acceptance today, I just defined and gave you a new definition to understand discipleship. A disciple is a believing believer. Should you be a disciple? Yes. Is every Christian a disciple? Categorically, no. Saved, if they've done what the scripture says. But to move on from there and accept everything that he has said as a promise and every mandate, that's the key for you and for me. So say it boldly, I hear, I, hear. I, believe. I believe, I do. Come on, shout out loud, I hear, I, hear. I believe, I and I do. Say it one more time, I hear, I, hear. I believe. And I do. It's not that complicated, is it? So you're on the path to partaking of other things on that table you've never partaken of before. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus told them to let down their nets for a miraculous catch. They didn't believe it at the time. And basically, what his response was is, you know, we've been toiling all night long. Now watch this. A man named uh, Barclay, not Dr. Mark Barclay, but uh, Barclay, who, read, who wrote a commentary series years ago, he explained this story by saying that in addition to Jesus being an expert craftsman, he was a professional fisherman as well. And he knew exactly where to throw the nets to catch the fish. Now, I'm not a professional fisherman, never been really. And my dad can tell you that. My dad taught me how to bass fish. You talk about a patient man. We get out there at 5.30 in the morning on the water, and uh, he's drinking his coffee, and I'm getting the spinner bait, you know, hooked on the line, and he's in the front of the boat with a trolling motor, and I'm in the back, and we're on the seat just having a great time, and you can just see the, you know, the fog lifting off of the lake, and opportune time, you know, to come across a submerged log or lily pad and catch something great, and I cast my lure, and it just disappears. It's not on a log. It's not, you know, in the water. I look over at my dad, and he says, you big dummy. The lure was on the side of his hat. I snagged me a dad. It's the biggest fish I have ever caught to this day. <laughs> it's the biggest one. <laughs> By far the most interesting one. I eventually learned. We went on the other side of the lake one day, and I tossed a spinnerbait, white spinnerbait light. Remember, like it was yesterday. And I came across this lily pad that was kind of darkened and brown, and just light little drizzle on the, on the lake, and then wham, this thing hit that thing. It was wonderful. But it was nothing like catching your own dad with a spinnerbait. <laughs> But I look at this story, and I'm thinking, yeah, Jesus is an expert fisherman. That explains everything. 
Watch this. No, uh, the fish weren't on this side, so they'll be on this side of the boat. How wide is the boat? What he was telling them, I want to show you something here. So they hear, and Peter decides to what? Believe, and then what? Do. Toss the nets over, and what happened? A net breaking boat, sinking, miraculous catch of fish. He could have gone home with no fish story at all. But watch this. What happens when we hear and believe, even if it goes contrary to what we know, think, or even have experience with, and then do, that's when great things happen. Everything he knew as a professional fisherman was wrong with what Jesus said. They're there the whole time. This side of the boat is not that far away from the other side of the boat. So either he is trying to do something, increase us, bless us, let us enjoy the fruits of believing, to see who he really is, to enjoy the power of the word of God in action, or he's just completely crazy. And there are times when it'll seem to you like what is being said to you is crazy, but at that moment you make up your mind, I'm going to hear, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to do it. Say it, I hear, I believe, and I do. Anybody ever caught a fish more than 200 pounds? Raise your hand, I'm going to say. I win. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 